Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, on a day like today, uh, it is hard for me not to think about that great old story about the pastor uh, who stood up one Sunday morning, faced his congregation, and announced that he would be leaving to go to another church because, in his words, Jesus called him to go. After which the congregation joined in singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> I've used that 15 times in the last 30 years, and it's always good. And I don't know if it's a true story, but it is a true story uh, that a colleague of mine uh, ended his ministry in a church not very far away from here with the hymn, On Our Way Rejoicing. And I know that I, I was there for that one. Uh, but here at St. Andrew, it's really just the opposite, as uh, today we sing our way not to the end, but to the beginning of a ministry. As Ruth Heilman, a uh, commissioned uh, minister in the Lutheran Church, a teacher, former school administrator, obviously a musician, is being installed today as our new minister of music, and can also be found uh, teaching for the next couple of weeks at Common Ground so that you can also meet her uh, in that setting if you like. And uh, it is in that context and uh, with the fact that uh, we do an awful lot of singing here at St. Andrew that the curtain rises on the passage that you heard from the book of Acts where we discover the power of singing and praying and worshiping and praising God to open all kinds of doors to new beginnings for children of God like you and me. The scene is the ancient city of Philippi, uh, which was located in what is today northern Greece and where Paul and a man by the name of Silas, who traveled with Paul on two of his missionary journeys, are, as you heard, arrested for upsetting the status quo in that city, for disturbing the peace, or at least the business of Philippi, and for practicing a religion uh, that was technically illegal under the laws of the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, I can't uh, take all the time needed to drill down into all the individual twists and turns and nuances in this story, but I am going to be leading a Bible study on this passage uh, for the folks out in Howard County, so if you want to come and join me there, I will drill down into those details, which are very interesting and I think very illuminating as well. But the part that I want to highlight today comes after Paul and Silas are arrested, after they've been tortured, and after they have been uh, locked up with shackles and with chains in the inner cell of that Philippian prison. And at about midnight that night, they do one of the most counterintuitive things that you could ever imagine. They get their worship on, and they start singing hymns to God, praying to God, praising God. God in their shackles and in their chains. And Luke reports to us that a number of things happen as a result of their worship and their praise, one of which is that the other prisoners listen to them. They don't shout at them and tell them to keep it down because it's after midnight. They eavesdrop on the worship of Paul and Silas. Second, Luke reports that there's an earthquake that night that rocked the world. 
and shook the foundations of that jail to the point where the doors of the prison open and Paul and Silas are set free from their shackles and from their chains. As a matter of fact, uh, in art, you will often find Silas depicted holding the broken chains and the shackles in his now free hands. And the third thing that uh, happens as a result of this uh, midnight service and late night uh, impromptu hymn sing is that the jailer, the warden of the prison, comes to faith, and he and his family are baptized because they've experienced the power of God, not just in the earthquake, but in the worship and also in the way that Paul and Silas use their freedom. Because at the end of the day, what this lesson tells us is that what happens in worship doesn't stay in the worship. It goes out. And it rocks the world. And it changes the way that we live our lives. And so with this passage in mind, uh, uh, today I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what really goes on here when we come into this room? And what really is happening when we sing and pray and praise God as we give thanks today uh, for the gift of music and for those who come to make that music, one in particular here at St. Andrew. And to do that, I uh, curiously found myself thinking about a man by the name of Andreas Karlstadt, uh, who was actually a contemporary of Martin Luther during the days of the Reformation. Originally, Karlstadt was a, a fellow reformer, uh, but then he became a rival of Luther's who disagreed with him on a number of things, fought and argued with him about a number of things, one of which was the role of music in the worship of the church. Karlstadt thought that most of it needed to go. In fact, he is the one who said that organs, trumpets, and flutes should be relegated to the theater so as not to pollute the church and awaken thoughts of the world. Makes you wonder what it think about our praise team here at St. Andrew. I'd go crazy. Luther fights back. And in the spirit of King David himself, he goes the other way and he ushers in a revival of music in the church, including congregational singing, to the point at which he, Luther himself, composed a number of hymns and also famously said that next to theology, I give music the greatest place and the highest honor. Because though it is detestable to the devil, it is the fair and lovely gift of God, and it fills my heart to bubbling over and awakens in me the joy of preaching. And so from that time on, the voices and the instruments of the church have been tuned to praise for the glory of God and for the joy of faithful people. Some of you know uh, that in the Greek New Testament there are four different words for love. You know, there's agape, uh, there's storge, there's eros, and there's phileo, and they all mean love in English. And so, you know, I can say, I love my wife, and I love pizza. And it's the same word, although it doesn't mean the same thing. In the Hebrew Old Testament, there are seven words for worship or for praise. One of them is the word yada which means to praise God with extended arms and upraised hands. 
Another one is the word hallel, which means to praise God frivolously, recklessly, to rave about him foolishly. It's where we get the word hallelujah, which means praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. Psalm 147 says, hallel the Lord with dancing because Worship is about our whole selves, our whole bodies, our whole beings. Yada means praise the Lord with upraised hands and extended arms. Halal means to praise him recklessly and to rave about him. You may be wondering when we're going to get to the Lutheran words. <laughs> well, here's one for you. It's the word tahila, which rhymes with Tehillah. <laughs> Tehillah is a song. It's a hymn. And it's sung over and over again by faithful people. And even though the Bible never says, you know, sing unto the Lord an old song, we do that over and over again because those old songs become forever new when they come out of grateful hearts, human experience, devotion, and love for God. And so the book of Psalms in Hebrew is called the Tehillim. And you will see a heading over some of those Psalms when you read them, and it will say, for example, Psalm of Ascent, because that is the song that the children of Israel sang over and over again when they made their pilgrimages up through the hills of Judah and up into the holy city of Jerusalem to make their sacrifices at the temple there. There is the word todah. That's a word for worship. And it has to do with praising God and giving thanks to God, get this, for blessings not yet received. It is a way of raising the praise of faith, declaring trust in God, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in hard times, even in dark times. This is the kind of worship that you're going to when you go to worship at a funeral, and you see people, and they're praising God, and they're also crying at the same time. They're worshiping through their pain, through their uncertainty about the future. They're trusting God for the future. This is the kind of worship that's going on in the Carolinas today as we speak, as believers in Jesus, praise God in the midst of the storm. This is what Paul and Silas were doing in Acts chapter 16 as they sang the praises of God through their pain, through their captivity, and they sang their way to freedom and to liberation, acknowledging that God is who he is and that we're his children and that Jesus makes the difference in everything. I think about all the times, you know, I come to worship and I praise God because I, I feel good. Sometimes you got to praise God and then feel good. And to make that conscious decision because he is who he is. I really don't know if Paul and Silas were in the mood to worship that night, having been beaten with rods. But they made that decision because Jesus makes the difference in everything. There's the word zamar. 
And that simply means to make music. Literally, it means to put your hands, your fingers on the instrument. That's what Ruth does when she goes to the bench. That's what so many others do here at St. Andrew, when they put their hands on the instruments and they make that joyful noise to the glory of God. Another word is the word barak, which rhymes with barak. And barak means uh, to bow down, to kneel down before God, to humble yourself before God, as somebody would bow down and humble themselves before a king. But here's the thing, in ancient practice, when somebody bowed down in front of a king, they would kneel down or bow down, but they would keep their eyes on the king. So that when Christians come to worship, we humble ourselves before our king, but we keep our eyes on him and on his cross and on the life that we have in him. And the final word is the word Shabbat. And the word Shabbat is a word that means joining one person's voice of praise to another voice and to another voice. This is the worship that we lift up together because this stuff is not meant just to be done alone. It is meant to be done together in this holy sound of corporate communion and corporate praise. And so Psalm 117, for example, says in English, praise the Lord, all you people. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Except that in Hebrew, it sounds like this. Hallel the Lord, all you peoples. Shabbat the Lord, all you nations. Do it recklessly. Rave about him, but do it together. Last Sunday night, our new son-in-law, Joel, was in the stands at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin, to witness what most people on the East Coast slept through. <laughs> and that was a stunning fourth quarter come from behind victory so that the Green Bay Packers ended up winning that game over the Chicago Bears. Condolences, Pastor Miller, to the Glaciers, other people here at St. Andrew. But, you know, hey, the Cubs won the World Series, so what can I say? When I asked Joel, what was it like to be there? His response to me was, I got to be honest with you. I lost my voice. That's because he was part of a cultural shabak that grew and grew as an injured Aaron Rodgers found Randall Cobb, who ran and juked his way into the end zone for that stunning game-winning 75-yard touchdown, and the crowd just kept roaring and roaring, and it went on and on and on. What does it sound like in heaven when the children of God bring all their voices together and they raise up a Shabbat in praise? To God. Well, a letter uh, in which, uh, which I wrote uh, to extend our call to our new minister of music, I assured Ruth of your prayers that the words of the prophet Isaiah would find fulfillment in her life and ministry as a teacher and musician in the church. And those words are, behold, it is God who saves me. I will trust in him, Toda, and not be afraid. 
for the Lord is my strength and my song, and he is my salvation. In her letter of acceptance, she wrote, I feel like a composer in front of a blank piece of staff paper, not knowing how the music will sound, but trusting that God has already written and blessed every note. Whatever the form it may happen to take in your life, worship, praise, singing, praising are powerful things in good times and also in the hard times. And as we remember today, these two guys who joined their voices together and sang their way out of their pain and out of their captivity into freedom by the grace of God in Christ alone, I invite you to get your worship on. Not just when you're in the mood, it's just when you feel like it. But to make a conscious decision to give him your glory, to give him your praise, to trust him for your future because he is who he is and he is the difference in absolutely everything. So that as we worship together and as we show the world how we live with this freedom that has been given to us, they will eavesdrop on our worship. They will observe how the people of God live their lives and they too will start to experience their freedom in him and join their voices with our voices as we praise his name until we see him face to face and worship with the saints and angels forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.